Job chapter 1. Hey, I'm going to read some verses to you, and, um, and then I'll tell you where we're going for today, and, um, and we'll have fun in church. Does that sound good? Job chapter 1, verse 18. Before I read the verses, just to give you a little bit of context of this Bible character. Again, if you're new to church, we, uh, every Sunday when we gather, we sing songs about this person named Jesus, and we go to the Bible because we believe the Bible has answers for our life today. And the Bible points us to the person named Jesus. And so we're going to go to the Bible every Sunday. for the, As long as this church gathers, we'll go to the Bible every Sunday. Is that okay? And so this is an Old Testament character. That's uh, translated into our terms as old school character. And uh, his name is Job. And we're going to look at his life today. And uh, at the setting, at the time of this, these verses we read, I'm going to give you a snapshot into the beginning of his life where we pick up the story, and then I'm going to read some verses that show you the end of his life. So basically, we're opening up a story today. We're going to look at the first chapter, and then we're going to read how the story ends, the life of Job, just where we pick up and where we're about to read, just so you know, Job is the man in this context. Job is, they say, he's the greatest of the East, the Eastern part of the world, uh, for us, that'd be like Western Conference, Steph Curry, Eastern Conference, LeBron James. So um, he's the LeBron James of the Middle East, the Eastern part of the world. He is the man. He has 10 children, which just sounds exhausting right away. And um, he got a bunch of sheep, bunch of oxen. He's killing the game. He's famous. He's got status. He's, I know you probably opened your Bible to Job. It's pronounced Job. But um, he's the man. So that's who we're reading about, Job. Job has just begun to hear some awful, dreaded news. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten some bad news before. Let me just see your hand. You think you've gotten some bad news. Job had the hashtag worst day ever. So uh, we're about to pick up on his worst day ever in Job chapter 1, verse 18. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone, well, isn't that convenient? And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and he worshiped and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave... And the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Very important that you understand where we pick this up. Job receives these awful words, these awful, this awful news. I don't know if you've ever received bad news before, had a bad report. Maybe somebody betrayed you. Maybe somebody stole money from you. Maybe somebody rejected you. Maybe you've been to the doctor's office and you have had sickness come to your home or your family. Job receives bad news, but notice what it says. He did not accuse God of doing him wrong. So, you know, sometimes in life, God gives, and other times it's interesting, God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody want that to be your response when you get bad news? Say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So that's where we pick up the story. I'm just going to fast forward very quick to the end of the story, Job chapter 42, and it's going to come on the screens, Job 42, verse 12. Watch this. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. 
So the end of his life was better than the beginning of his life. Anybody want that to be your story for your life? The end of the life was better than the beginning. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep used to have seven, 6,000 camels used to have three, 1,000 yoke of oxen used to have 500, and 1,000 female donkeys used to have 500 of those. Notice that God, in the end of Job's life, Job gave double, God gave double back to Job what he had over here when everything went bad. The latter days of Job's life, he got double the oxen, double the sheep. Double. God doubled everything in his world except for children. Because if you give a man 20 kids, that will kill him. <laughs> 10 is enough. God's like, no, I'll give you 10 first, give you 10 again. You're going to need a few hours of sleep, homie. God doubled everything in his, in his life in the end. I want to talk today. You can write down the title of today's message. It's called, Don't Take the Bait. I want to preach a message today called, Don't, Don't You Do It. Don't Take the Bait. Again, we are in a series called Unreasonable Hope, and we have been walking through uh, the book that we just released Unreasonable Hope has four sections. If you haven't been with us and you're new, I'll just catch you up to speed. The first section of the book is called The Struggle. And we talked about how in the beginning the struggle is real. It's a real struggle. God can work with the real you. He cannot work with the fake you. Somebody say amen. amen. So you got to be real with your struggle. This hurts. It happened. This person did this to me. I was, uh, they said it. This, this, we are in the last place. Come on, Laker fans. The struggle's real. And so you got to be honest, the struggle is real. But then we talked about how the remedy is there, that Jesus is the remedy. He is the antidote. He is. The, Jesus doesn't just have an answer. He is the answer. So even though the struggle is real, anybody thankful that the medicine is even better? So we talked about how there's a struggle, there's a remedy. And last week we talked about the rest, rest for your soul, that Jesus invites us, even in the midst of a storm, a trial, a troubling circumstance, that even though this happened, you are, you are saying yes to the remedy while you're healing, while you're going through this, through this, you can rest in the grace of God. You don't have to strive to earn your victory. You don't have to fast more, read more, pray more, tithe more. No, you can rest in the goodness of God. Anybody thankful for rest? We had somebody email us this last week and said after last week's message, they emailed us and they have a, um, a special needs kid as well. And they said, we got the best sleep we've had in years after last Sunday's message. Rest for your soul. Let's talk about the struggle, the remedy, the rest. This week, the last section of the book, I want to talk about the better. The better. That the bait of Satan is to bait you into get bitter but the invitation from heaven is that you would get better. That your life circumstance, the devil wants to take you out and lure you in, that you get a bitter soul and you're angry at life and you got a critical spirit and a hard heart. That's the bait of Satan. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the evil one, who is the devil? He comes to steal, kill, and to what? destroy. If you know the Bible, the last one is destroy. Still kill and destroy. The devil knows he cannot take away your salvation. So what he'll do is he'll just rob you of your joy, rob you of your peace, rob you of your, your, your relationships, and he'll literally destroy you in bitterness. So the bait of Satan is to lure you into bitterness, but the invitation from heaven is that you would get better. 
Notice how Satan always uses some bait, some trick, but God, he'll just send you a straight invitation. You ever get an invitation for a party like an Evite, and it comes straight to your mailbox, and you click on the thing, whether you're going to go or not, you can RSVP with a little comment, yeah, I'm coming, and I'm bringing my mama too, whatever, and you just send it off. It's an invitation straight to you. God invites you that in your circumstance, you can actually get better. Come on, church, not bitter. I want to talk today about don't take the bait. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our church. Thank you for these settings and this time that we can gather together and be strengthened and be encouraged by your word. God, we ask today, open up our eyes so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do in this context and in this setting. We are thanking you that you are good and you are gracious and you are kind. We love you today more than life itself. And God, we are praying with all faith every week for the Los Angeles Lakers. God, thank you that you don't let us win. You are preventing our wins because you're giving us a great draft pick for next year. And you're setting it up so that Kevin Durant will come to us. And God, since we can't win, we bless the Clippers today. And God, we thank you that they're going to be in the playoffs. Let L.A. win as something, please, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. come on, church. We're going to need a little bit more faith than that. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Raise your hand. Let me just see your hand real fast. If you've ever been fishing, ever been fishing, let me just see your hand real fast. Ever been fishing? I love fishing. I grew up fishing. My dad, he used to pick, wake us up early on a Saturday morning, and we would get up and go with him in the pickup truck. My dad had a big old yellow pickup truck, GMC. What? Bought it for $10. That's how you know you country. And um, and he literally bought his truck from his buddy for 10 bucks. And, um, and we would get in his truck, and we would go. And I used to love go fishing with my dad because my favorite part of fishing was buying all the snacks for the trip. So we would get in the truck, we would go to the to the little you know uh, gas station slash fishing thing and um and we would go it's the only time that my dad let me buy whatever I wanted so I'd go through and get sunflower seeds if you can go fishing you need sunflower seeds and you get all the stuff and you know wheat thins and red vines all the stuff Gatorades and just stock up on the snacks because that's the most I don't care if we catch one fish I'm grazing I'm eating all day somebody say amen I don't care about no fishies it's not Nemo shut up and so <laughs> So, so we get the snacks, and then, and then in the same thing was like this little fishing area. So my dad, that's what he, I did the snacks, he did the fishing tool stuff. And so he would go over, and he would pick out all the, the baits that we would get. He would, you know, and, and, and according to the type of fish we wanted to catch, he would get, you know, a specific bait. So if it was this, you know, a regular fish, he put worms. We'd get a whole thing, a carton of worms, and, you know, just we put that thing in there. And then he'd, you know, get like the bigger lures, like the like hyper color and real flashy, and, and, and he would explain this is what we use for this type of fish and just, you know we're going to catch some fish today and so we'll use the worms for this and the, and these types of lures and and, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll catch them we'll hook them and, and we'll get them I want to talk today about how the devil wants to bait you into bitterness let me speak to your soul for one moment don't take the bait don't you take the bait that the bait of Satan will always and forever be bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, hardness of heart, offense. Don't you take the bait of Satan. Satan knows if he can lure you away into the wilderness of offense, he can zap your vitality, he can zap your God dream, he can take you away from your vision. 
Don't take the bait of Satan. All of us are facing a storm. All of us have gone through circumstance. But you know what I believe? I believe that rather than getting bitter and worse from your situation, I believe with all my heart, if you say yes to God, you can actually get better from your situation. You can actually go from grace to grace, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Come on, anybody thankful today that we do have a God that has invited us? Come on, church. Anybody thankful we're serving the God of better? It's the better God. Love Job. Job is... He's a legend. He's the best in the East. He's got kids galore. He's got, he's got cattle. He's got sheep. He's got oxen. And all of it gets zapped away. And in addition to that, his wife comes to him and says, Job, 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 please tell me that you are not going to church this Sunday. Please, please tell me, husband of mine, that you are not still going to praise the Lord. Please tell me that you're not going to be one of them Christians that praise God still. Look at what we just went through. We lost our children. We lost our money. We lost our wealth. We lost our reputation. We're not going to church this Sunday. And this man, Job, has the backbone and the wherewithal to says, please hear me, woman. I don't care what you choose to do, but I'm choosing to praise the Lord. I'm choosing to worship God. I'm making the decision. Watch what Job does, right? down number one Job I love this about it he puts all of his hope in God when you go through life's tragedies the only way that you can get better out of your circumstance is if you make the decision to put your hope in God watch what Job says in in Job chapter 13 listen to the words that come echoing out of his mouth he says though he slay me yet I will still hope in God. I will still trust him. I will still be a Zoe in the 1230. I will still praise the Lord. I will still get my little holy hop on during the fast song. I will still drink the free coffee. Come on, somebody. I will still get on push pay. Don't make me praise. Come on. Job says, I'm going to put my hope in God. You know, it's tragic to me. So many people get disappointed and bitter because you put your hope in somebody. Don't put your hope in a person. Don't put your hope in your gift. Don't put your hope in an outcome. You know, people say, well, uh, is unreasonable hope about the hope that you would have for your daughter, Georgia, to be healed? You know, I could be honest with you and say, I've never hoped that my daughter gets healed. All of my hope is not in an earthly result. My hope is in heaven. My hope is in a person. His name is Jesus. You got to put hope somewhere. And when you know that God is for you and with you and fighting your battles, you can stand like Job said. Job said in Job, I believe it's 19. He said, he said, I know that my redeemer lives. I'm convinced of it. I know my God's not dead. I know God's not sleeping on the job. I know God's not in heaven going, well, what's going to happen here? Well, let's, what's, what's going on? No, I know that my Redeemer, he lives. He's alive. He is well. Come on, anybody thankful Easter Sunday? We're going to celebrate next Sunday a God that's not dead. But come on, church, a God that's alive. Job made the decision to put all of his hope in God. He said, look, I don't care. I can't, woman, I cannot control you. And, and that's one thing about being married is that you, listen, you can't control your spouse. But one thing you can do is you can lead yourself. And you say, for me, well, I hope you do the same thing. But as for me, I'm going to put my hope in God. I know that this tragic thing happened and we lost all this. But, but if God's alive, you never know what could happen. If God's alive... The, the, the best is yet to come. 
And, and just this may be a bad chapter, woman, but, but just so you know, there's another chapter that's coming. And this is not the end of the story just yet. All my hope is in God. Job made the decision to put his hope into the Lord. And I think when you put your hope in God, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, this is a hope where you will never be disappointed. Put your hope in an investment, it could go sideways. Put your hope in your boss, things could not pan out. Put your hope in your gift, and your gift could fail you. Put your hope in God, and you'll never be disappointed. Job said, I'm putting my hope in God. Though he may slay me, yet I will still praise him. I know my Redeemer lives. That is a hopeful person. That is a person of hope. He said, you know what? I'm going to hope in God. Now, when this happens, you got to understand the story. When this happens, Job gets the, the, the news and everything happened. They lost the sheep and the, and the donkeys and, the, you know, all the stuff and his 10 kids. And he lost it all. And his wife's yelling at him, don't go to church Sunday and, and all this. And three friends. He had three friends. Three. Whenever you go through something hard, I believe you can go through anything in life just as long as you don't go through it alone. Three friends show up, Bill, Dad, Eliphaz, all these guys show up. On, and, and, they, and those are some real Bible names right there. You don't see nobody on West Highway. What's your name, Bill, Dad? Yo, table for two for Bill, Dad, Eliphaz, and toast on Sunday. Anyways, I do drugs. Advil. But um, the three friends, they show up and they pull Job aside and, and they, they cry with him. And, and thank God for friends that, that rally around you when you go through a tough time. But, but watch what these friends do. They pull him aside and they sit Job down and they begin to question and they begin to kind of accuse him in his life. Well, Job, don't, don't you think bad stuff's happening in your life because you, you did this? Job, don't you, don't you think this is going on? Well, because remember, remember six months ago you, you did that? And they begin to try and under, understand or discover the why behind the circumstance. The why behind the crisis. Let me encourage you and save you a lot of time today. Don't ever ask God why. Don't ever go searching for the why. I can tell you with our situation with Georgia, I have never once come to God and said, why did this happen? Why did you do this? I do not believe God was in heaven with his arms folded, looking down at me and Julia going, huh, huh? Well, let's just... Um, Let's see how you handle this one, huh, slugger? Let's see if you can deal with sickness in your home. What a cruel, weird God that would be. The reality is we live in a fallen universe. We live on a fallen planet where there is sin, there is sickness, and these things are going to happen. And aren't you thankful that we don't have to theologically ask why this happened? We can just be excited that there is a hope for a better place. It's the hope of heaven where there is no sickness, there is no sorrow, there is no suffering, there is no more tears. Come on. My hope is not in a result. It's in heaven. These guys get together and they say, well, Job, why, why do you think this? Job, what, what did you do? What did you? Job, come on, man. I know we were out a few months ago and you was drinking too much. And don't you think it was cut? And then, Job, you were looking at some stuff on the Internet. Don't you think that's why this happened, Job? You know, you ain't paid your tithes in a long time. In fact, I think if our records show you only tithe 3 percent, not 10 percent. Don't you think that's why it happened, Job? And they tried to figure out why. Don't you ever try and figure out why something happened. We live on the universe. We live on the planet we are on. And this is just the reality of living in the place that we are and that's why we have hope in a better place and the hope of heaven and the hope for humanity that we don't have to try and figure we know why 
And write down number two, don't let the opinions of others pull you away from what you know to be true. You just, you know this to be true. I know God is good. Job's going, Bill Dad, shut up. He's going, you know, you guys, shut your mouth. I know God is good. Woman, I know we're married, but please be quiet right now. I'm trying to praise him. He's saying, I know God is good. I know why this stuff, you know, people ask us all the time, you know, when, when this type of stuff happened to you guys, what were the questions that you asked? My only question that I began to ask is, how can I beat this thing? How can I improve from this thing? How can I get better out of this situation? I don't want to listen to the opinions of others that would try and try and speak negative things over me and speak critical comments. I remember when we first got the diagnosis, somebody even made a comment uh, to me, a, a friend of mine. He kind of made the comment of going like, well, you know, was it something you guys ate or, you know, working out and kind of alluded to it being our fault. Let me encourage you today. If you've gone through abuse, it wasn't your fault. You've gone through hard times. Your dad wasn't there for you. It's not your fault. We live where we live when we live. And that is why we have the hope for a better place. Come on, anybody thankful today that we don't have to be pulled away from the opinions of others, from what we know to be true. And I just think what I love about Job, Job's just, he's standing there, he's standing strong, and he's believing that the best is yet to come. He's believing, he's hopeful for the future. And watch what he's believing. He's believing that the real change will happen in him. In fact, write down number three today. Let me encourage you with this thought. Let the change happen in you. Let it happen. Job chapter 14, verse 14. Watch what Job says. Job says in Job 14, 14, he said, I'm believing all the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change, till it shows up. I'm believing that change is going to come. So many of us, we want to change so-and-so. We want to change our boss. We want to change our living situation. We want to change our spouse. We want to change our circumstance. And God's saying, I want to change you. I want to do a mighty work inside of you. I want to mold you and shape you. You ever notice how some people, they go through the exact same thing. One person gets bitter and the other person gets better. It's because they allowed the work to happen in them. I can tell you that when everything happened for our world and when our world got flipped upside down, I wasn't in our bedroom or in my car praying, oh God, you know, pray, touch Georgia, heal Georgia. I was praying for Georgia, but let me be honest, church, I was praying for me. I was saying, God, Give me the patience. Give me the faith. Give me the fortitude. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. I need something to happen in me. Come on, the work that God wants to do, it's an in you work. God is not concerned with what you're doing. He's concerned with who you're becoming. You got to let the work happen in you. God, get, he can't get something through you until he gets something in you. Let the work happen in your life. I just find so many people in life that they just, they quit or they give up because of how they are. How you are should never affect who you are. How you are. So many of you going, man, God, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to fulfill my call. I don't know how I'm going to do what you, the dream you put in my heart. I don't know how I'm going to get to the next level because of how I am. How you are doesn't change who you are. The blessing is on you. The favor is on you. The calling is on you. The grace is on you. The gift is on you. It, don't let it change who you are. Who you are is anointed. Who you are is called by God. Who you are is the righteousness of God. Who you are is the head and not the tail. Who you are is more than a conqueror. Come on. Who you are doesn't change anything because of how you are. 
So many people think, well, this happened to me, so um, God is there. Is there. Do you have another plan for my life? Things happen in your world. God's not been having going like, well, I mean, to just think we're going to have to go with plan B here. There is no plan B. There's only one call for your life. There's one plan for your future. God knows what he's doing with your world. Don't let how you are affect who you are. And you know what? You ought to, if it affects you in who you are, you ought to let the change happen on the inside. You're getting more faith and more hope and more joy. And you're getting stronger on the inside. And you're getting better. Anybody want to get better as a person? I was with a friend the other day. and his bro- I, know, I know him and his brother. And we were talking about his brother the other day. And his brother used to be just, I mean, you ever know somebody and they're just kind of like mean-spirited and not cool and they're not fun or easy to be around? And this guy years ago, he's just difficult to be around. And me and his brother were talking and I was saying, I think that your brother the last four years, if we were given awards out in life the last four years in a row, he would have gotten the most improved person of the year award four years in a row. Every year he gets better. Every year he gets kinder and sweeter and more gentle and more loving and more accepting. And I thought that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to let a work happen in my life where I don't get bitter through life circumstance. I actually get better. And the work that's happening, if the circumstance gets taken care of it, that's God's business. But do something in me. I can tell you, and I say this often to people, you know, people say, I'm so sorry for what you've gone through and you and your wife, we're so sorry, please don't feel sorry for us because I would not be the person I am today without that. I'm kinder, I'm more compassionate, I can relate with people I never could relate with before, I have a better perspective on life and God. Come on, why? Because I let something happen in me. And now God's doing something through me. But come on, some of you today, stop believing your circumstance will change. Start believing that you will change. Get some faith for yourself and faith that mighty work will happen. Come on, let's be like Job and say, God, do something on the inside of me. Come on, if you got faith for it, make a little bit of noise with a little clap and say yes to God. Job's believing. His friends are saying, well, Job, you did this and you did that and you used to mess around and you're not that nice to your wife and, and it's probably this is saying, no, 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 no. But whatever's happening, I just, I, I know that my Redeemer lives even though he slays me. I'm a ch- and I'm going to praise the Lord and believe that something will happen in my life in the in-between time. And watch what happens. He's just praising the Lord, trusting God, getting better, growing in his faith. And all of a sudden, God shows up in the end of the story. In fact, you ought to write down number four. Keep your eyes on the end, not on the beginning. So many people want to focus on the night of betrayal, the night of inf- uh, that you cheated, the night that something happened, the night of the diagnosis, the day that you got abused. Stop looking at the beginning of the mess. And why don't you get your eyes on the end of the thing? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, it says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Woo! I'm preaching to myself, getting excited. Come on! The end of it is better than the beginning of it. So many people, they feel so, you know, deflated and defeated because something happened. You know what? Something happened to all of us. But I always think I can make it in life is is, as as hard and as deep of the fall off the cliff is when I hit rock bottom. Because come on, church, sometimes God needs to allow you to hit rock bottom for him to get your attention. And when I hit rock bottom, as dark as the pit is, as dark as the night is, as long as I can look up, 
and see a glimmer of light. I'm going to keep my eyes on the end and I'm not fixed on the beginning. This is what happened, but that's where I'm going. This is what, this is what life allowed to bring my way, but I'm believing my Redeemer lives. I'm believing the best is yet to come. I'm believing that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No mind can conceive the things that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. The end is better than the beginning. Let's find so many people, they lose sight of the big picture. They lose sight of where we're going. Did you notice the end of Job's life? He got double. What if Job would have given in to his friends and gotten bitter? What if Job would have stopped allowing the change to happen in his life? What if Job would have just given in to the moment and said, yeah, you know what? Wife, let's stop going to church. We should never have sickness in our home. How could God be good and this happen to us? But you know, they, Job made the decision. I'm going to keep hoping in God and praising the Lord and worshiping him. And no matter what happens, I believe that the end of this thing is going to be better. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I'm here to tell somebody, you just keep holding on. You keep your head high because the end of this thing is going to be better than the beginning. This is the life of Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. I love Jesus. Jesus is celebrated and Christmas is awesome. He comes on the scene and he's born in a manger and Joseph and Mary and the wise men and all that. And, you know, we see Jesus after the manger. We don't see him until he's 12. He's in the junior high group at church and he's really excited about Jesus. From 12 to, to 30, we don't see Jesus again. We see him again at 30 years old. 30 years old, at a wedding in Canaan, Jesus begins his public ministry by turning water into wine. For three years, he'd walk around, he'd grab a bunch of misfits and start a revolution that we are still enjoying on a Sunday morning in Los Angeles, California. Triumphant week. It's triumphal entry in Palm Sunday. Jesus comes in the city and begins to you know, reason with guys like Pontius Pilate and goes to the cross with the crown of thorns upon his brow and whips in his back. And they, they hung him on a cross, you know, nails in his feet, nails in his hands. And I love my, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible is when Jesus is, he's hanging on the cross and all of a sudden, as they're mocking him, saying, I thought you said you were the king of the Jews. I thought that, wait, this is the guy that says he can save others, but he can't save himself. And they're mocking him and they're laughing at him. And, and all of a sudden, it dawns on one of the other guys that's hanging on the cross with him. And, and he begins to ask Jesus, Jesus, will you, will you remember me? 
all of a sudden, this moment of salvation comes over one of the robbers and he begins to confess and believe that Jesus is the God. He is the Lord. He, this is the God. And all of a sudden with Jesus, with resilience in his eyes, he looks at this guy and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today we will celebrate because his eye was not on the beginning of the thing. Jesus was fixed on the end of the thing. He had hope where there was no hope. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but don't take the bait of Satan that will cause you to get bitter and weird and distorted. But why don't you take the invitation from heaven that says the best is yet to come. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. I'm believing that we're going to walk out of here with a new resolve and a new hope and a new faith. Come on, church. We're not getting bitter. We're going to get better.